video. It's the only way to get what you want to watch. Hello, my name is Justin Clue, and I'm here today with Mark Hansen. And you're listening to the Bay Street Video Podcast, where we go through all of this week's new Blu-rays and DVDs that have arrived at Bay Street Video. Yeah. So, man, we're back on a regular schedule. This should be up on a Tuesday, and we're only uh, one week behind, I guess. I mean, it would make, I think it would be impossible for us to do a podcast about the releases that come out on the Tuesday because sometimes you get them like the day before. That's the thing. It's too much. But I think this is kind of how we were doing it before where it's like Tuesday is the release day and then we record like end of the week and get it out Mm -hmm. fairly soon after that. So that's pretty good, you know, as opposed to being like two to three weeks behind for the last like year or so, I guess, at this point. Uh, It's not like there was a pandemic or anything. Yeah. (laughs) Jeez, my productivity. Why is it falling so much? So we can get started right away in the cult section with Prince of Darkness, the John Carpenter film in UHD. Whoa, 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 whoa. Shout Factory's doing UHDs no, they now? they are. You know, they've been doing UHDs since the Deer Hunter back in, I guess, the summer. Uh, I guess I just haven't been buying them, so I haven't noticed. But, you know, I figured at some point they were going to dip into the John Carpenter canon for Ultra HD. That is like their bedrock. Like, they released every John Carpenter film, pretty much. Uh, they even did, like, Blue Thunder, the one that he wrote, right? Or did he write the other one? I always get the two helicopter co- uh, movies confused. No, they didn't do Blue Thunder, actually. I mean, Kino did Black Moon Rising. Right, that's what I'm thinking Which was the one he wrote. Yeah. But, no, you're right. Show Factory's put out pretty much every one of his films, or at least every, like, monumental film of his. Um, And these two... I mean, I'm a little surprised they didn't start with The Thing, maybe, for Ultra HD. But, you know, here we go. Prince of Darkness and They Live. They probably want to put together, like, a special edition that's going to be, like, $80 that people are going to have to buy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, after the Steelbooks and the regular editions. And... <laughs> oh, man, that Steelbook racket. You know, I'm glad it keeps them in business, I guess. Oh, yeah. Well, both of these, Prince of Darkness and They Live, also had Steelbooks. And now a lot of people are buying them on UHD. So, I mean, the rebuy value must be just I mean, people like them. Films. They keep buying them. I, uh, like John Carpenter, shout. They treat them like the Evil Dead just over and over and over again. So you were going to ask me what my favorite John Carpenter film is? You betcha. Why not, right? We're talking about John Carpenter. It was his birthday last weekend, too. Yeah, that's right. And uh, the list of films this week is pretty long, so we got to pad it out with content. <laughs> of course. Favorite? Hmm. You know, I, I would want to say something like The Thing, but I don't actually watch The Thing that often. Like, it's not one that I reach for because I feel like I know it pretty well. I love They Live. Even with this, like, slow-going first hour. But, like, it's the one that sticks the most in my memory. And, of course, Ghost of, of course. Mars. <laughs> Are you a Ghost of Mars apologist? Oh, I'm not an apologist. I am pro-Ghost of Mars. A hardcore I feel fan, like that may yeah. be the John Carpenter film I've watched the most. Because I keep making people watch it with me. And I even saw it theatrically when it played at the Bloor many years ago. And they showed a 35mm print. Oh, wow. I, w- <laughs> I was not lucky enough to experience that. But, you know, I, I like Ghost of Mars. <laughs> Uh, I would say it's probably either They Live as well or In the Mouth of Madness, actually. I oh, guess. I like In the Mouth of Madness, yeah, too. Yeah, I've probably watched In the Mouth of Madness more than any of his other films. I don't know. There's just something about, like, I just love that meta kind of plot. I love the Ontario kind uh, of... And Sam Neill's great performance. Oh, and Sam Neill is so good. It was actually shot, like, all around where I grew up, too. So it's, like, such a kick to, like, see that. But They Live is a classic. And also The Thing. I mean, I feel, like, the same way as you about The Thing. I watched it a ton as a kid. Haven't revisited it in years, but... Neither of us mentioned Halloween, Halloween's though. great. I do like Halloween. Yeah, but we don't watch Halloween. It's been codified so much that, like, yeah. yeah I know. I feel like I've watched Halloween three more times more recently than the first Halloween. Speaking of John know? Carpenter, They Live is also coming out on UHD. <laughs> I'm not going to buy it, though. I think I have the... Yeah, I definitely do have the Shout Factory disc that they put out way, way, ways ago. Yeah, I have it's that. It's weird that uh, they haven't released They Live with, like, glasses yet that you can put on. So on the Arrow side of things, we have Joint Security Area finally being put out. It feels like it's taken forever to come out to Blu-ray. Oh, man, yeah. This has been out of print, I think, on DVD forever. I think Palm Pictures used to have it, which is a defunct label. Right. So maybe they own the rights and, like, held on to it in a death grip until now. I love this film, though. Very, very good. Uh, definitely was kind of a primer to me as a, a younger man into the whole, like, North-South Korea um, <laughs> tension because... <laughs> which you are now. 
now an expert of. <laughs> I know, right? Well, no, I was really, I honestly got fascinated by it after watching this film. I don't think I knew much about it before. And then I watched this film like, oh, wow, there's a lot of stuff going on in, in Korea. But it's just a really fantastic film. And this is Park Chan-wook's like breakout film. Like this is the one that kind of made him a name. And all of the films after this were kind of a reaction to this one's success. I remember listening to, to his commentary for Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. And he says on uh, that one, he like tried to not move the camera because he was so showy in joint security uh, area. Right. Definitely going to pick this one up because it's a film that I don't think I watch that much because it isn't that, you know, in the uh, dialogue when you talk about Park Chan-wook, a director who seems to have completely fallen off of cinephile's radar. Like he did a AMC or some maybe Showtime miniseries with Michael Shannon based on a John Le Carre novel and no one ever right. talks about that. I forgot about that. Yeah, it seemed weird like when uh, all these new Korean directors were kind of blowing up, he seemed to be kind of the forerunner of that for a little while just because of the massive success of Old Boy. But now it seems like Bong Joon-ho is kind of like taken that mantle and he's sort of, you know fallen behind a little bit even though you're right he's still making stuff maybe it's because park jank wook is like i want to make weird films like i'm a cyborg but that's okay i know right <laughs> uh, you know uh, i didn't enjoy that much uh stoker even though i liked its style a lot yeah i remember seeing that in theaters when it came out and just feeling largely underwhelmed by it like thinking it like looked really cool but it just like the story didn't do much for me i really liked the handmaiden though i remember seeing that at t- you know what i had completely forgotten he had done the handmaid that was kind of a hit when it came out too it was yeah i remember seeing that at TIFF and he was there and he actually gave a really, really funny intro uh, through a translator because I don't think he speaks much English, uh, which is why I think Stoker was kind of weird. I don't think he actually spoke any English and I think the whole communication was just through a translator between him and the cast. So, um, but he's a really, he was a really funny, gregarious guy. So no, I really like, really like him, really like his I films. think that hopefully after the success of Parasite, filmmakers from South Korea are like, well, we don't have to go to America to make movies. We can just do them in South Korea. We can do them better than in America. Exactly, right? Because <laughs> uh, uh, isn't it Kim Ji-woon? I'm probably saying his name wrong. Kim Ji-woon. Yeah, the guy yep. who did The Good, The Bad, and The Weird, who, when you said that uh, you met Park Chan-wook, that made me, uh, reminded me that I saw Bong Joon-ho when he showed Mother. Oh, cool. And that I also assaulted Kim Ji-woon outside of, like, the tiny little cinema that Tiff would show stuff when I think he did I Saw the Devil right. and I got him to sign my copy of The Good, The Bad, and The Weird. Oh, super Back cool. when he used to get stuff signed. Yeah, right? That seems like so long ago, but uh, that's really yeah, cool. Now we're best friends. <laughs> that's, yeah. See, that's what, when you say you got something signed, you're like, okay, what happened after that? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, uh, he was smoking, I guess? <laughs> uh, the only things I have signed, I think, are a... David Cronenberg signed DVD of Dead Ringers because it's David Cronenberg and we live in Toronto. <laughs> you're, you're legally obliged to have one of those. I, know, I have a signed DVD of 12 Monkeys from Terry Gilliam when he was in town. Like, Ooh, toss that one out. <laughs> so I know, I know, right? It was when he was in town for like Tideland, I think. I said. Mm-hmm. And uh, I have a signed DVD of Dumb and Dumber from the one and only Peter Farrelly. <laughs> oh, what, but you don't have the other Farrelly brother? I don't because I met him. I got to see an advanced screening of Hall Pass years ago. Remember that movie? <laughs> <laughs> yep. uh, and he was there, just him introducing it. And actually, Woody Harrelson was there for some reason, because I guess they're friends. And he, yeah, I went up to him after. I'm like, hey, Dumb and Dumber, it's like one of my favorite comedies of all time. I would He's love like, did it. you enjoy Hall Pass? You know what? At the time, I didn't mind Hall Pass that much. I haven't gone back and rewatched it, and I think it's pretty misogynistic, probably. But I thought it was kind of funny at the time. But maybe I was just hyped up because Peter Farrelly was in the house. <laughs> yeah, one of your heroes was there. I one I once assaulted uh, Ryu Sung Wan, the director, another South Korean director. I only get autographs from South Korean directors. Pretty much the story of this. <laughs> You're talking about like classy directors. I'm like, I got Peter uh, Farrell's autograph. And so it was at the Scotia One, and I like chased him out of the theater and talking to him in English. And he's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, like not understanding whatever I was saying. And then later that day, or maybe it was the next day, I went to um, a Vietnamese, uh, you know, like kind of fast food joint that we have in Toronto. What is it, Ginger? Right. And he was sitting across from me and i was like staring at him and was like do i go bother him what would i say <laughs> like i have nothing to say you can get this crazy man away from me <laughs> and i'm like this guy directs like the biggest hits in south korea and here he is sitting at like a cheap vietnamese place that he probably just went to because it was like across the street from the scotia bank oh totally right <laughs> scotia bank rest in peace i think it's gonna be turned to condos now. yeah that's not gonna be uh that's just gonna be a condo <laughs> so moving on we have a serbian film from unearthed films Ooh, the grossest film ever i don't 
know. Uh, when people say that, you watch know. it, you're like, yeah, I mean, it's just like any other thriller. <laughs> it's just a Serbian one. I mean, yeah, there's definitely a lot of really transgressively gross stuff in it, but... I, I really love this film. I mean, I'm sure you accept you you expected me to say this, but uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of this movie. It is fully and this this release from Unearthed finally presents it in the absolutely uncut version because the previous release from a company called Invincible Pictures, I guess they had the rights before, uh, was kind of mi- was missing a few seconds here and there. They kind of cut out a few of. Like, Why would they do that? Like we've talked about this before. I don't understand. That's the thing. Like you're releasing a movie like a Serbian film, which has such notoriety even right from the get go, and you're gonna cut it a little bit for north american audience like there's no rating systems anymore it's not like you're really you need to have like Like you're not getting into a blockbuster you're not doing newspaper advertising yeah um so yeah for some reason it's taken this long to get a completely uncut version of this and unearthed has put a bunch of special features on it um yeah i mean a lot of you could easily write this off as just like a gross horror movie but i do think there's a lot of political commentary in this film but Uh, it's also like a 90s thriller it is like it's like i have amnesia and i'm trying to figure out what happened and it's super slick too it's super like when engaging, you hear people talk yeah. about it you're uh, it's like oh it's gonna be gross like august underground yeah, it's like, yeah. no it's not that's not what it not is. at all you're right it is super slick i remember first seeing it and right from the opening shot i mean i know it's kind of like the opening scene is like within i guess the porn film he's shooting but like it, it does have a really slick look it's super professionally made and it's just really engaging yeah like even just if you can put aside the gross stuff if you're not that into it like you will be hooked from beginning to end of this movie and the final like the final sh- scene is just and, like, like the final kill is like a gore, like a goofy gore gag. <laughs> like, oh my god, I know, right? They they just like leave it on such like a punchline, almost like a ridiculous punchline that. Um, I don't know. I just I have a lot of love for this film, but I also get that it's really not for everybody. So, you know, I mean, clearly you probably know what a Serbian film is if you're going to buy your, it. Your but... family movie night or something like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but this is a great film and I am glad it's available in like a really nice edition now. Finally. So moving on, we have a new release from my friends, The Film Detective. <laughs> your personal friends. No, uh, they are not. It is a giant from the unknown. And this film, I'm unfamiliar. I looked at him like, this seems like an MST3K film. According to the brief research I did while you were talking, it is not. Wow, I'm surprised because I automatically assumed it would have been done on MST3K. No, Rift Tracks have done it, but not MST3K. And so uh, the plot is uh, a doctor and his daughter uh, go in pursuit of ancient artifacts and unleash a 500-year-old giant Spanish conquistador. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Yep, and I think he kind of is in a murderous rage and you know, he attacks a bunch of people. So I've never really uh, known of this film. Giant from the unknown. That's such a, a vague, it's um, a generic title. title. Yeah. If it was called like attack of the giant conquistador, I'd be like, Ooh, got to check that out. That would be way better. Yeah. And like film detective (laughs) is doing from, um, you know, the last few months, this is a pack special edition, two commentary tracks, new interviews, uh, tons of little featurettes, definitely worth your time and money. If this film interests you. And this is restored in like 4k too, which is, uh, which is great. The DVD's not for, I mean, the Blu-ray's not 4k. Yeah, (laughs) no, I know, but they have it right on the front restored in 4k as if we like needed that, but you know, it's, it's nice. They're putting in the effort for these new uh, releases. We also have a new release from Dark Force, and this is, I, I've been enjoying them doing this. It's a double martial arts bill. Well, one of them is technically not really a martial arts film. It's the Black Dragon and Enforcer from Death Row. Now, uh, I'm not 100% sure, but the Black Dragon, I believe, is the Ron Van Cleef one, is it not? Or is it a different one? It is. Okay, I yep. like this one. This is uh, from the director of I think it's Holy Virgin versus the Evil Dead. He made that film and this one as well. And it's like a weird black exploitation slash martial arts film. A little too slow paced, but it's one of those like oddities. And the other film I'd never heard of from before, Enforcer from Death Row. This is from a Filipino director who most famously made, uh, I think it's The Mark of Satan is one of the films that he made, which is a really crazy one. And uh, I was looking on Letterboxd and Enforcer from Death Row has good and bad reviews. But what's cool about... Dark Force, these double bills, is that they do new they do new scans of prints. 
for these releases. Yeah, it looks like it. They put a lot of effort into these things. And, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Not a lot of effort. If they did, I'd be receiving a call for commentary. That's track. true. That's true. They don't put that much effort, but they put for stuff that generally, I feel like Film Detective actually, going back to them, has put out some like um, budget, like MODs of these, like public domain type releases. And that's I what, believe they did the Black Dragon, didn't they? I think they? they did, yeah. And so I think a lot of these titles just get relegated to like uh, public domain bargain bin type things with like shitty transfers. So the fact that they're kind of like putting these together in nice double packages or I don't think they do like any touch ups to the scans, which is fine. Don't do it. Like keep keep all the scratches and whatever. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, you don't really need it. Yeah. Moving on. We have another double pack and this is Batwoman and Panther Woman. Now, I know that Batwoman, that is a Rene Cardona joint, not Rene Cardona Jr., uh, Rene Cardona, the director of Night of the Bloody Apes. Yeah, the original Rene Cardona. <laughs> and I don't know Panther Women, but I, I'm going to assume it's probably... Uh, they're both Mexican for... Yeah. Mexican, that's right. Yeah, yeah Mexican. Yeah, I'm not sure if he did Panther Women as well, but uh, they were both just like similarly themed. They both came out around the same time and obviously they kind of fit together. And VCI is touting that this is another remaster. Yeah, it is. Panther Women is a Rene Cardona, ju- uh, Cardona joint. I keep wanting to say Junior because that's usually the name that I say. Have you ever seen that? of the bloody apes it is amazing i never have i so my friend once explained it to me and i've been saying the story for a hundred years since he told me which is like he watched the movie and it's about a guy a wrestler that gets a ape heart put into his body and when the moon grows full he turns into an ape <laughs> and later on in the movie they replace the ape with a woman's heart a woman wrestler and my friend was like oh man is he gonna turn into like a wrestling woman when the moon grows full nope Still turns into an ape because once you got that ape heart in you, you can't get it out. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I could imagine VCI putting that out on Blu-ray at some point, you know, because I, I think I think they have. VCI has a deal with like Mexican, like some company, and they've done like a lot of their releases. I know they put it out on DVD, but I don't think they've done a Blu-ray of it yet. But I just wish that they like gave it some special features or some context or just something. Totally, yeah. When you see these movies, like, ah, it's a joke, but like, okay, what what is it about? Like, let somebody explain it to you. I don't know if it has special features. It doesn't list it on their website, which means that it probably doesn't. Probably VCI, not. They, didn't they yeah. do those Mexican films, the remasters of them as well? They did, yeah. Like the um, El Bruto and a bunch of other, even The Wind is Afraid, stuff like There's that. There's got to be yeah. some Mexican film experts out there, right? Or like someone who could just talk about there it. There has to be. But I think like some of these I think are even like BD. I don't know if this one is, but a lot of these are like BDRs even. And I, I feel like mm. it seems like you look at the packaging it seems like they put a lot of effort into it but then you really kind of like dive into it and i don't know how much they've done beyond maybe just a restoration of it so well you know i would assume that they did not do the restorations themselves and that they were done by like a mexican film institute yeah. which is why they can say like restored from the original negative and then like you know you watch it and oh, yeah it looks great but they didn't do the work so they're not gonna do any yeah, extra work i get the sense maybe that i feel like they're more of like a content aggregator company than i initially assumed um, but they do do special features on stuff sometimes because yeah. i know like i have a vci double bill of like don't look in the basement and something else and like those have commentaries on them. oh totally and i mean they always you know have a million different editions of a christmas uh, the original christmas carol out or the alistair sim mm. one and you yeah. know they have a lot of special features on that that's always like a hallmark release of theirs but hmm. yeah with these ones i'm not sure i'm not sure what's going on with them so moving on we have our good friends src have a new movie out on dvd it's the garden tool massacre which i'm unfamiliar with but it is a film from 1998 directed by david hins someone i don't know yeah apparently I, yeah i don't know much about this either but you're right it is a the shot on video horror movie from yeah late 90s that apparently just hasn't oh it's a british film is it british interesting yeah apparently it just hasn't seen the light of day until now like if you look it up on imdb they actually credit it as a 2020 movie because i think even though it was shot in the late 90s it's never been released ever in any format so did you hear that src are getting like really heavy into the keju game we've talked about it before they have yeah i've seen they're putting out a few that they're releasing a 80s south korean keju film that has never seen the light of day oh interesting. i mean or like a video release called war of the god monsters but it goes under many different titles the undead beast it was released internationally as the flying monster i mean it's novel because it's south korean 
And I have a feeling like the poster has a bunch of monsters on it. And it was directed by a guy who did a, bu- a bunch of martial arts pictures that I know that uh. it's also edited of a bunch of TV footage which would explain all the monsters, but I can find no reviews about it other than the new like remastered version. Okay. Of yeah, no, I know they've been putting out some more obscure Kaiju stuff, recent Kaiju stuff over the last year. I know bad stuff that we yeah, talked bad about, stuff. but that's great that they're getting into <laughs> some more like interesting, obscure stuff that people might want to pick up. Do special features SRS. Sometimes they have them on the disc. They don't even list them on the, on the website. It's like, come on. They got to contact you, man. <laughs> I know. Well, uh, oh, I didn't tag him, but I made a post about it. And I said, I did a commentary with, the podcast the keiju kingdom for the release of war god i did the keiju film and they were really good so i was like they should just do it uh i don't need to do it like gets other people on it as well (laughs) totally so moving on into the classics we got gangbusters i assume this is a serial of some kind yeah this is another vci serial release you know which they do every couple months but you know you know gang stuff and finally bartender the 2006 miniseries is out from shout factory what the hell is this i don't know what this is but you know looking at the packaging it looks like we should know about wait wait wait. oh it's 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 an anime it's an anime series so they've put this out in like a 15th anniversary special box set it looks really nice and apparently it's a mini series from 2006 where we just follow i guess a bunch of characters who go into this bar and chat with the bartender it seems like really serene and everything it seems cool but i don't i mean i'm not an anime aficionado so i don't know much about this but the amount of like care they've put into this release makes it seem like people know i'm, it. I'm looking at imdb it has 166 reviews which is not a lot i mean it's funny that i always like base myself on my imdb where i'm like who would write an imdb review and give ratings on imdb <laughs> like, no, imdb reviews are where the true film critics are i'll tell you that <laughs> ugh, i've never done it i've never known anyone to do it and i wouldn't want to be their friends if they did unless you're rating impossible horror or teddy bob man those have like under five scores so get on there and rate those yeah come on now <laughs> uh i've been getting more into anime because i've just been listening to podcasts on the subject and i've been watching gundam movies which led me to building gundam figurines <laughs> how's that going uh, for you? actually easier than i thought it was gonna be i ordered one that you can get them for like 20 bucks it's just like a new hobby that you can do and you just kind of i got like the baby's first model kit and there's not even any glue. So you basically just click them into place and it's like a hundred pieces that you follow the instruction. And it made a little Ultraman that I got. The problem I have is I have no room for action figures. Like I don't, I'm not some freak that has a glass case or something. Yeah, right. <laughs> so like weird. usually I put action figures up. It's not weird if you have a glass case. I'm proud of you. No, I know. I'm shaming people who I, like toys. I, I put the action figures up on shelves and then I like knock them over all the time when I try to get stuff. And I'm like, this is annoying. <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. But yes, uh, I'm in the Gundam now and anime so uh hit me up for all your anime related well, questions good luck to you sir on that yeah journey. uh well the good thing about gundam is the filmmaker who uh did the series the 20 episode series cut it down into like three movies and he's like i prefer this version so i don't have to watch the series i can just watch the movies that's great streamline <laughs> yeah ja- japan's really big into that of like taking like a 23 episode series and cutting it down to like a two hour and a half movie so moving on, we have Afterglow, Ray meets Helen. Finally, the Alan Rudolph fans get their, uh, you know, are delivered. The two, yeah, the two most important Rudolph films together at last. Um, well, Afterglow, I know, was like very well acclaimed when it came out. I think it was nominated for some Oscars. You know, I'm going to be honest. I have no experience with Alan Rudolph at all. Not even Breakfast of, Champ- of Champions. I, You know what? I think Breakfast of Champions is the only Alan Rudolph film I've ever seen. And only because, you know, it was a Kurt Vonnegut adaptation um, and I honestly don't even remember much about it but yeah he's a filmmaker I've always wanted to get into because I mean I like Robert Altman a lot yeah aren't you a big Robert Altman fan and he's like Robert Altman like yeah exactly and um, I've always been really intrigued by his films whenever they come out and I've just never really gotten around to it Afterglow I've wanted to see for a long time Ray Meets Helen on the other hand is a more recent film only came out I think four years ago or so so and I think that one's like lesser known although I think Keith Carradine is in it and some, you know. Yeah, Keith Carradine and Sandra Locke. But I don't think it got much play. I think their afterglow is kind of the big draw here and they're just kind of sandwiching Raimi. I'm surprised that you wouldn't have checked out like uh, Trouble in Mind, his uh, famous kind of like neo-noir. Yeah, no, that's a film I've always wanted to see, um, but just never gotten around to. I mean, Show Factory did put that out years ago and I just always thought it looked really appealing from the artwork and everything. You don't reach for that. You reach for a movie we're going to talk about later. (laughs) That's the one that you go for. Exactly, exactly. You know, I've got more important things to spend my time on than getting into film 
makers like Alan Rudolph. No, I'm just kidding. Alan Rudolph seems very cool. I will one day start my Alan Rudolph journey. It's just not going to be Every today. Every time you say, oh, yeah, I'm going to watch that, one day gets taken off of your life if you don't watch that exactly. movie. Exactly. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I agree. I'm going to die tomorrow, basically. Speaking <laughs> of movies that you love, next up, Mill Creek is finally putting out on Blu-ray the Justin Long classic, Accepted. Yeah, see here, this is my wheelhouse right here. <laughs> this is the kind of movie I love. Um, you know what? I actually do really enjoy this movie. I saw it when it came out and I was like, yeah, in my late teens and it just really, I just like Justin Long a lot. And I think this is like a perfect showcase for his talents. I mean, obviously, wow, I don't think anyone has ever said that sentence. I like Justin Does Long nobody, a lot. What, do people not like Justin? I don't know. Uh, yeah, Justin Long is an affable presence. I'm not a Mac person. I'm full on John Hodgman, PC man. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, I don't know. I This is definitely like kind of a updated version of Ferris Bueller's Day Off. He's basically just playing like a Ferris Bueller type. But isn't the plot that like he fakes a college? Yeah, so basically his parents really want, he's like a Ferris Bueller type who just like doesn't really care much about school. His parents want him to get into university, but he, you know, does, forgets to apply or something basically he just doesn't get in anywhere so to appease his parents he creates his own university he gets this like dilapidated factory he gets his friends who also got rejected from universities to come and be students he gets a bunch of like uh delinquent like drunks to be teachers like it's a really fun right do they all learn important lessons that they wouldn't have learned in school and that's the thing at the end of the day it does show like you don't need like established like bougie kind of education to be able to get ahead in life and i think that's actually a really positive message it does definitely have the feel of like an 80s like the, that whole premise is like an 80s concept so no women sure. allowed then i guess well they update it for the 2000s i would say it's definitely more male i think like the the only main like female character is played by blake lively and she does kind of just end up being a romantic interest for him so i would say that it could go way farther in terms of like the female participation in this but, you know, for what it is, I, I actually really enjoy this film. I think it's a really fun. And, but I think it really uh, is better than it would ever be because of Justin Long's performance. He's just such an affable presence in this that you can't help this but like This makes me him. want to see it. Not buy it on Blu-ray, but I, I'll, I'll see yeah, it. Just, yeah, I'm not sure you need to buy it on Blu-ray from Mill Creek, especially since, you know, it's not like there's any extras on this thing. But <laughs> What if we forced you at the end of every new release? Mark, you'd have to say, would you buy it on Blu-ray? Half the price, I would probably buy it on Blu-ray. This is a but... Mill Creek release, though. I thought it would be like 10 uh, bucks. It's like 20 bucks. <laughs> oh, no, Mill Creek, what are you doing? But you're right, for 10 bucks? I would buy it for sure. Twenty. Except it feels like something that should be on like a double pack with, I don't know, uh, what other comedies came out around 2006, like The New Guy or something like that. I feel like this is more in the wheelhouse of like the Benchwarmers or something like that. Are you uh, a fan of um, what's the one with the if your roommate dies, you get good grades? Oh, Dead Man on Campus. You know, I've (laughs) never actually seen that movie. Wow, Um, I'm genuinely surprised. They made another movie around that same time that had the exact same premise, but it was a thriller about it called The Curve with uh, Matthew Lillard and Michael Vartan. I don't know if you've ever heard or remember this movie. No one does. But uh, that I've seen and that's basically basically the same plot but just not a comedy so you know wow all right yeah, so you learn something new every day moving on we have well uh has a director fallen more from grace than joe carnahan yeah man that's he's it's a tough one with him like he for a while he was like the cool guy director right I mean, he made Blood Bullets and Octane, which is terrible. Not good. I've never seen that one, yeah. <laughs> but he made, after that was, what is it called? The Ray Liotta one. Narc. It, yeah, people love Narc. And he seemed like the guy that was like, I just want to make, like, good movies, you know? I want to, like, fight against the system. And then he became, for a while, the guy who kept getting fired from films. I know. Well, it's interesting, because Narc really seemed to announce him as this, like, hot new talent on the scene. And I really love Narc. I thought that movie was awesome. Um, and I remember after that, he was actually supposed to direct Mission Impossible 3 because... He was, and he got fired yeah, from right, because Tom Cruise really liked NARC or something, and they were trying to hook up, and then he got kicked off that. And then he made Smoke and Aces, which eh, was okay, you know? Oh, Smoke and Aces is so I, I, I bad. Like moments of it. Well, but... don't forget, he also made the short uh, Ticker in The Hire. Uh, I saw some, Yeah, I saw them at the time, and I didn't really care much for them, yeah. The BMW shorts that were a bunch of famous directors, I sent out for the DVD and still have it. 
And it has commentary from every filmmaker, which is insane because Wong Kar Wai does a commentary on his shorts. Oh, he does. Right. Of course. I remember seeing Smoking Aces and being like, I should like this. I don't, I don't like it. Why don't I like it? Yeah, I remember being really jazzed to see it. I saw it with friends on like opening night because I just loved Narc so much. And, you know, I think it was one of those things I like. Yeah, I wanted to like it more than I actually did. And once it got to like the halfway point, I'm like, I don't really think I like this that much, you know? Um, I think I like the trailer for it more than I actually like the film. So, and then from there on, he just, what, made the A-Team. He made, like, just a bunch of... Well, I like the... I love the A-Team. Have you seen the A-Team? I haven't seen that, actually. Is it good? It's really, really fun. Like, I really like the A-Team. And you know what? I like the gray, too. Oh, you know what? I, I do, do not like... like Stretch. I, yeah. So, yeah. Why are we talking about Joe Carnahan, actually? Yeah, I didn't because... even say what time. <laughs> I know. <laughs> People are like, what the hell is going on? But yeah, before, I do really enjoy The Grey, actually. I feel like that's a really underrated uh, thing. And then he made Stretch, which was like his, like, I just want to make a little something. You know, it's myself, because he had been fired from a whole bunch of films over and over again. He was supposed to do a remake of Bunny Lake is Missing with George Clooney. Right. He used to have yep. a blog, and I would follow on it. And he was also really active on Twitter until uh, he started yelling and swearing at film critics. Oh, well, that's never a good look, Joe. Come on. Uh, I don't know. You know, I haven't followed Joe Carnahan in like recent years or anything. He produced a film called El Chicano. Yes. Okay. I, I know of that. Film. And when people started giving it bad reviews, he started ripping into them and being like, fuck you. You don't understand this. Wow. And yeah, it wasn't a good look. And I think he left Twitter after that and hasn't come back. Well, <laughs> Stretch is now coming out on Kino Lorber Studio Classics. <laughs> and Stretch is actually the last theatrical film he directed. Eh? I'm just looking at it now. Yep. And- well, his next one, Boss Level is um right yes i'm looking it up now yeah yeah he produced wheelman as well which was okay it had a fun concept right yeah i didn't i didn't get around to that speaking of frank grillo vehicles but stretch not good yeah i remember when this came out and like kind of being intrigued i like patrick wilson but like oh, i like patrick wilson too yeah th- this didn't really appeal to me and it's a straight you know it's another strange one from kino kind of like a similar type thing as uh when they put out the veil a couple months ago i think this doesn't this have blumhouse production credits on it or something you know what i think it does so maybe it's a deal that they made with blumhouse i think it's a deal they have with blum with some of blumhouse's like earlier more like straight to video vod stuff um that they're putting out because this was out on dvd when it first came out and now it's just getting uh, this re-release. i mean it does have a new commentary with uh joe carnahan and his daughter and son <laughs> Maybe it's to, like, soften him up a little bit. Well, that could be interesting, I guess. Uh, I remember (laughs) my dad and my partner Emily watched Stretch when I wasn't around. And Emily was like, it was so bad. (laughs) I was like, no, I wasn't there to tell you no. (laughs) Don't do it. (laughs) Like, running for the the eject button. Don't. So, speaking of one last classic. I love how you put these in the classes because there's really nowhere else to put them. (laughs) Is. Uh, 2012. The the John Cusack, Roland Emmerich uh, disaster film. Um, And surprisingly, this has been selling very well on Ultra HD because I guess any kind <laughs> of like big budget disaster blockbuster, you know, people with Ultra HD players want to fire it up. Um, I remember seeing this in theaters when it came out just because, you know, I'm a sucker for disaster Ugh, movies. I yeah. did too. I think it was like 2009 or 10 it came Once out. Once everything like turns that. to CGI, it's so dull. That's the thing, you know, I threw it on in the store the other day just to like take a look at it again. And geez, the CGI looks terrible in this movie. And. I remember kind of enjoying it when, you know, I saw it in theaters just because... Poor, sad, depressed John Cusack. Oh my god, the cast in this too. John Cusack, Woody Harrelson is like a crazy guy. Uh, Chawita Legiofor is in this one. Danny Glover, I think, plays the president, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, There's a lot of people in this movie. Um, And, you know, the disaster sequences are... If you can look past the shoddy CGI, they're kind of, you know, bring to mind some of the stuff that, like, he did in Independence Day, but it's just, like, nowhere near as good as that. Or that he did in Independence Day 2, what is it called? Yeah, Resurgence. Resurgence, (laughs) yes. I saw that at a free... Uh, visual effects screening and I had so much fun that was the year of Scott Eastwood the charisma black hole you know I still never saw Resurgence I was kind of intrigued when it came out and, and they're all I... back all your favorite characters well, Will Smith's not back right <laughs> no okay well Will Smith I don't think um, wait it was Will Smith I was gonna say Tom Lee Jones I'm like no that's Men in Black no uh, uh, but Jeff everybody Goldblum's else is back, back. Right? the yeah. only thing that's missing is like uh, like Rip Tor no wait who uh, Harvey Firestein's 
Yes, Harvey Fine. Um, like, well, if he, he had like a twin brother, died, right? like, I'm oh, back. Yeah. <laughs> that would be great. They should have had him have a twin brother. Uh, I remember, like, I think the Earth completely gets destroyed in Independence Day Resurgence. Does it really? Great. <laughs> and it's fun. It's it's kind of like in space. It's like really sci-fi-ish. Like they go on like the alien planet to blow it up or something like that. And I remember having fun with it. And like, it's like Will Smith's son. And there's like a painting of Will Smith. It's very yeah, funny. Yeah, I wanted to go see that on like a cheap Tuesday kind of thing. But like, I just never... Only way yeah. Yeah, I just it. never got around to it. Then it like, like came out on when I missed it in theaters. It's like, eh, am I gonna watch this at home? Like, I don't know. Oh man, I miss Cheap Tuesdays. I had the my, the most glorious Cheap Tuesday ever when we did a Butler double bill and we did London Has Fallen and Gods of Egypt on the same oh, night. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, I love so, both. We were of those laughing films. so hard that like people were giving us looks. There's a part in Gods of Egypt where Jerry Butler rides a giant scarab, and I could not breathe. I was laughing so hard. Oh yeah, hard. Gods of Egypt is like a modern comedy classic i love that movie uh, so it's like our generation's hudson Hawk. it really is it really that was a glorious time for but for gerard butler i forgot both of those movies came out at like the exact same time i mean he i mean i guess his swan song was um like the michael mann good style film that he made that you still haven't oh, seen Den of, Den of thieves yeah, yeah Den of thieves yeah, no, yeah. i, I really like that a lot yeah that was fun oh you did see it yeah because i watched that because you kept recommending it and i'm like yeah i just never saw that and i quite enjoyed it i mean i, th I think it's kind of like a cheesier version of like heat or something but like it's just heat but like but a heist film more twists and like a heist film but you know i had a lot of fun with it I but jerry it butler's performance in that film mm, chef's kiss oh he's <laughs> hilarious in it yeah he he nails every moment what is it. his he's name that's a really funny name in that film it's like big uh, like big ben or something like that it's so stupid yeah he's like trying to be such a badass in it and it like kind of works but it's mostly just ridiculous uh, but like the film knows that he's a joke though because like it starts with him like picking a donut off the ground of a crime scene and taking a bite out of it. And I know, like, yeah. Did you what an just entrance. take that donut off the ground? He's like, "What donut?" And he tosses it away. He's like, "I just, I just saw you. You tossed it away." His name is Big it's Nick. Big Nick O'Brien, right? <laughs> yeah. I want him to cross over into the Fast and the Furious franchise. Oh man, how can you imagine you're watching it and he just be? like shows up? It's like, "Hey, it's Big Nick." You're like, "Yeah." Oh yeah, please make this happen. Make this happen. How has Jerry Butler not been a villain in the Fast and the Furious movie? I don't know. I'm surprised he hasn't been involved in those you think they would have brought him in at some point but oh speaking of disaster movies while i don't like 2012 i love geostorm the jerry butler rolling you know, in yeah i still haven't seen that either i gotta get my on my god one. jerry yeah. butler has like a, a merry-go-round of accents in that film it's so fun oh, so it's good. the kind of film like at one point like he's talking to his brother who's on a space station where they're trying to solve a murder as the earth is being destroyed and jerry butler uh, is like my brother during the video call he gave me a secret code we developed as a kid he tapped out the third letter of every alphabet on his if you're like what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> great well we will be talking more jerry butler in a few weeks when another new movie of his will be hitting our shelves so stay tuned for that oh, yeah awful awful movie I hated it. Well, don't. It's bad. It's from the guy. I love, love the two first uh, Has Fallen films. I didn't even watch the third one because we talked about this. Nope. Didn't even watch it because I know what it's going to be. It's going to be boring and it's directed by that stunt guy that Mark likes. I, I do like him. Rick Roman Wog. Uh, but I will agree. I do agree. Uh, Angel Has Fallen is very underwhelming. It's definitely the weak. It's, it's the weakest of the three. It's because they... They take it seriously in the wrong way, if you know what I mean. They do, like, yeah. No, they they go to – and the, it, it sucks because, like, it goes to a point where, like, there's so much collateral damage. There's so many, like, people dying on the streets. And it does bring to mind a lot of, like, actual, like, real event, like, 9-11 kind of sort of trauma, you know, just seeing a lot of mad people die. Which, obviously, the first movie does a lot, too, in the second one. But they have, like, such a goof. Yeah, and Angel Has Fallen just takes it way, way too seriously. So it just it kind of leaves a sour taste in your mouth. My pal but. Matthew Kumar summed up Greenland perfectly, which is the next Jerry Butler film, which is about the end of the world. And for some reason, that's never explained. Jerry gets to be one of the special people, gets to go to a bunker. And it's essentially Karen the movie, where they keep asking to see management and then yell at them until they take them to the next step. Well, I will I will check it out to do my duty. We, we we can just so we can talk about it in 
a few weeks. Due yeah. diligence. <laughs> All right. So new movies. Let's blaze through some titles. So first up from Criterion, we've got yet another Netflix Martin Scorsese release with Rolling Thunder Review, another Bob Dylan movie that he's so made. So this one is like a joke documentary, right? Because some people are like interviewed and they're like, you know, just jokey. I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not a Bob Dylan fan and I really don't like Martin Scorsese documentaries where it seems like he's like, yeah, you can put my name on it, whatever. Exactly. No, I feel the same way. This seems like some sort of like contractual agreement more than anything else at this point. So Bob Dylan heads love so, it though. You know, and they put a nice, you know, deluxe special edition together from Criterion. So, so Criterion also made a deal with Hulu when they released the Hulu film as well. They did. Yeah. So Netflix, Hulu, they're getting into the streaming game, you know. Um, so there it is. Uh, next up, we got Come <laughs> Away. There it is. <laughs> so we got Come Away, which is the new film from Brenda Chapman, who was the director on Brave, uh, the Pixar film. Uh, so this is a live action fantasy with Angelina Jolie, uh, David Oyelowo, uh, a bunch of other actors. It's kind of like a Peter Pan Neverland thing. Uh, I don't know. It got kind of like mixed to bad reviews and, you know. Yeah, I didn't like Brave very much. Yeah, it didn't really. I mean, I assume this would have gotten more of like a theatrical push if, you know, theaters were open, but it's kind of just going straight to VOD DVD, so... I don't think it's supposed to be all that good. Uh, we also got Dreamland, another movie called Dreamland. But Finally, this... the Dreamland that I confused yes. last time. <laughs> Not Bruce McDonald's Dreamland this time, but the Margot Robbie starring Dreamland, uh, which is kind Shh, of like... Don't say it too loud. Margot Robbie wants people to forget yeah, it Yeah, clearly. This was made a couple of years ago now and is just coming out. Uh, it's like a, It looks like kind of a Badlands-esque like, bounty hunter on the run falling in love with a girl. I, I don't know. It, it's... As you said, she probably kind of wants people to just forget about it at this point. Uh, but in terms of more acclaimed movies, we've got The Climb finally coming out. This was a huge hit at TIFF a couple of years ago about a couple of friends and their relationship. The gimmick is that like it's many years in a friend's lives, but you see it through long takes. Like everything is like one long take. And then like there's a break and it cuts to like years or months later. Nice. Yeah, I've been meaning I missed this at TIFF and I was meaning to check it out. It's just taken forever to come out since then. Uh, but yeah, we finally have it now and it's, you know, very, very well acclaimed. So check it out. We've also got The Kid Detective from Sony, which is a Canadian film, actually, starring my man, Adam Brody. I love him. <laughs> as a, I've seen this movie. It's very yeah, good. Yeah, I've seen this, too. I just watched this uh, because, it, strangely enough, I actually know the director of this. Well, not strangely enough because he's Canadian. But <laughs> strangely. I, I, know the dire- I went to school with the director of this. He was in, like, a different year than me, so I didn't know him too well. His name's Evan Morgan. It's his uh, directorial debut. And he made a short film while we were in school that actually ended up playing festivals and stuff after called A Pretty Funny Story. It played at the Toronto After Dark Festival and a bunch of others, which is really, really funny. It was probably one of the best short films I saw while I was going to school. It was super, really hilarious. So I've been waiting for him to make something else or direct. And this is, you know, his first project since then, which was like almost a decade ago. At this it's point. been really um, well reviewed, too. I hope it leads to other stuff. It has been. And it's really great. Yeah. I mean, the basic premise is just, you know, Adam Brody was like a star kid detective in a small town. And then, you know, when he was faced with an actual crime, it kind of fell apart. And now he's like a 30 something bum still trying to, like, solve crimes while his parents tell him to get a new job. Uh, when I heard that premise. I was like, oh, no, like I can't name something specific, but it feels like something you see all the time. I guess like mystery team and other stuff like that It really operates on its own like wavelength, though. I found like I don't think I think there's a few moments here and there that kind of play to like more mainstream type stuff. But for the most part, I think he kind of like he takes turns that you don't expect and it just doesn't really ever go the way like a typical movie like this would go which i really enjoy and i really really could relate to like the feeling of being like a failure or just like not having achieved your dreams in your 30s you know or like achieving a lot when you're a kid and then it just seems to all fall apart when you're an adult like it really i don't know pulled at my uh heartstrings a little bit i have to admit and the final shot just like really uh really worked for me too oh man adam brody is so good in this that you're like how have people not been using him seriously more people need to use adam brody i know he was just considered like seth cohen from the oc for a long time but he is a good actor and he really proves it in this one so uh, I would say, yeah, totally recommend checking this out. Uh, a lot of fun, but also like really dark and emotional too. You so. know what it is? It's kind of like a sh- like a Canadian Shane Black film is how I would sell it to people. It totally is, yeah. Uh, and I like the, it definitely 
flirts with like whimsy at time which i'm not always a big fan of but i don't feel like it kind of like keeps its foot like firmly in that like dark quirkiness oh you man know? like because like the end when it gets really serious it pulls it off like it doesn't feel out of context of what has come before yeah i really love the ending of this though too i can't oversell i love how they genuinely f- surprising where you're like whoa genuinely surprising yeah so definitely check this one out and hopefully both you know evan morgan and adam brody get like more work based on this so. i'd be curious if the studio would be like we want more kid detectives and they're like i don't know if there's any more stories to tell <laughs> yeah. yeah i know not at all but yeah it's uh it's interesting that sony kind of picked this up and gave it definitely like a theatrical theatrical push in the u.s um uh, even though you know nobody's really going to theaters but you know they they've definitely pushed this film more than they would have if it wasn't a pandemic year i guess um but hopefully you know it just gets more attention for both you know the writer director and the star so moving on we've got miss juneteenth another really well-acclaimed film coming out from vertical um which is about the miss juneteenth pageant which is a real pageant in fort fort worth um for teenage girls to participate in to uh hopefully get uh to win sort of like a scholarship to a historically black college uh this one's been really really well acclaimed too and it's kind of flown under the radar because of the theatrical situation this year but i would say definitely check this out if you're looking for kind of year-end award type movies uh we've also got monsoon from strand which stars henry golding um who i believe is from yeah crazy rich yes Asians. crazy rich Asians. and this is a um a love uh, sort of a queer love story about him who's a british vietnam vietnamese man who goes back to vietnam and starts a relationship supposed to be also pretty good a good dramatic performance from him we've also got spacewalker or it's also known as spacewalk which is uh, a russian film that i believe timur bekmambetov is a producer on and it's kind of no. Oh, Russian movies. I know, I know. It's getting a lot of acclaim because... And Timur Beck, I can't say his last name, the director of Night Watch and Day Watch, that is not a stamp of quality by any stretch of the imagination. But it's kind of like a, so it's a historical biopic about... Is this one in vertical cinema, which Timur says that would be his focus from now on? Maybe, yeah. maybe. I mean, it's his attempt to do kind of like a gravity type thing, but from like a more historical basis, because it's actually about like the first like Russian cosmonauts going into space. Uh, I want one about the dog that dies yeah i know right <laughs> Space i stuff. mean uh he lived he came back wink, wink. yeah i know that's a great film <laughs> uh we've also got the cleansing hour from another shutter film this is like a exorcism movie mixed with a reality tv th- thing I, I haven't seen this i mean it seems like it speaks to me but i'm just kind of getting bored with exorcism movies at this point and like oh, oh me too so boring and there's so much fun stuff you can do with it too first time writer director I, I think it played genre festivals and now shutters putting it out i don't know i feel like it's just going to be kind of generic yeah but what i did watch this week was always and forever which is a new a really cheesy kind of like domestic thriller uh put out by rlje and umc and it is about it's really you know what i actually had a lot of fun with this movie it's super cheap and kind of like the acting's kind of wonky but it's about um a a woman who's like a successful lawyer and when she was a kid her and her like three friends at in like grade school had a pact to be friends forever but they also did like something horrible to like one of the males like male students in their class that they don't really go into at first anyways one of the friends ends up one of the um girls ends up dying as an adult so they all kind of come together for the funeral and then weird stuff starts happening somebody's getting stalked it's like kind of a stalker thriller but then it's also kind of a different kind of thriller you're actually not really sure where this movie's going most of the time or what kind of movie it is sometimes it's like a horror movie sometimes it's just kind of like a more uh, standard like suspense thriller and it all kind of like wraps up you mean you can maybe see where it's going but it takes so many twists and turns that it's just like kind of keeps you engaged the whole time um there's some actors in it you might recognize like wood harris from the wire loretta devines in this um I don't know. I think I actually had a lot of fun with this movie. So if you're kind of looking for like a new suspense thriller um, that kind of has that like lifetime movie feel, but is like a little better done, 
I would say definitely check this out because I don't know. I thought it was a lot, a lot, a lot. I'm going to hold my tongue because I, I will have questions when we get to the last movie on this list. Moving on. Moving on. We got Scooby-Doo and guess who? Season one. Um, yeah, this is a new Scooby-Doo show, I guess. I was looking um, at the credits. I'm like, I wonder who does the voices. I love that Matthew Lillard is now the shaggy guy. I know. <laughs> That's kind of the only reason I included on this list because I'm like, I just, I can't believe Matthew Lillard's still doing shaggy. But uh, Kate, my cue, she yeah, does Velma. Frank Welker still does Fred. Wow. Oh, good for him. Good and he must him. do the dog as well, right? Yeah, he has to. Because who else would do a dog than Frank Welker? And uh, yeah, this one, the gimmick is that like there's a new guest star every episode. Yeah, I think that's it. They have like a sort of celebrity guest star every episode. I don't know what celebrities, but... Uh... <laughs> uh, Jim Gaffigan, Whoopi Goldberg, Penn Jillette, uh Sia... Wanda Sykes, Keenan Thompson, Weird Al Yankovic. Oh, wow. That's actually a pretty impressive list of uh, celebrities. <laughs> yep. So. Not going to watch this. And now, the last two movies, a Scott Atkins double bill. Yeah. Rounding out the podcast this week is a Scott Atkins double bill. First up, Max Cloud from Well Go, which is, you probably know more about this than I do, an intergalactic space <laughs> yeah, adventure. Yeah, uh, I watched like the first 10 minutes and I was like, not for me. Yeah, it looked kind of dumb. Doesn't look like my thing. But the next one on this list... Dead Reckoning is this week's Blind Buy. Blind Buy. Okay, so Mark, you get Dead Reckoning. It's in front of you. Why do you watch this movie? Um, I think with this one, because on the front cover, there are four faces of actors all looking in different states of like mild concern or anger, all looking at me or looking at each other. And there's like a speedboat on the front cover. So you watch is... a lot of things with speedboats. <laughs> Speed, you know, Why? Because I feel like there's just something fun about like a speedboat action movie. Maybe it goes back to my love of Face Off when I was a kid or something. And I just like really love that speedboat chase action sequence. There's something about a speedboat that just like signals to me action. And you, you read know? the back cover and you get, ooh, this could be an erotic 90s style thriller. Now, do you know where your love for those developed and why that became the dominant thing that <laughs> motivates your life it choices? <laughs> wow, this is really a psychological profile we're turning into here. Um, you know what, man? I just grew up on 90s action movies, just like you did probably. And they just really- But I don't I think, have the same obsession you do with them. Yeah, like, I think 90s action movies really struck a chord with me more than even like horror. Like I think a horror I got into later. But I wouldn't even later. say like action movies. I think like thrillers- are what like really gets you going no i would say thr it's a mix of like thrillers action and like horror from the late 90s i think with action it was just i really loved uh like nick cage growing up and like bruce willis and like when john travolta was doing a lot of action movies like so a lot like of those... mercury rising and stuff like that yeah you know any type of action movie that came out in <laughs> like 95 rising. to like 2000 yeah mercury rising is terrible but 95 to 2000 like it just always appealed to me as a kid and stuff like you know face off and like good like really Really, like classic ones like that really stick with me but even like trashy or bad ones i got like a kick out of so when i looked at this and i mean we haven't said yet who directed this it's andre bar barkoyak so you watch these movies and when you watch them like you watch something like dead reckoning which you know is not gonna be good Yeah, obviously i know this is gonna be bad like yeah. i mean you would like a good one a compelling one but you know that oftentimes it won't be yeah exactly and you know what i think I just find more entertainment value out of these kind of movies these days than like bigger bug budget action thrillers that go to theaters, you know, because I feel like, I mean, we all know there's not a ton of like action movies that aren't, you know, superhero movies or like Fast and the Furious movies that go to theaters anymore. It's really like kind of just been boiled down to like franchise stuff. And that I find really boring. So is it like the polish that like, or like, you know, kind of the slickness that you have an anti-reaction to? Yeah, I think it's the slickness and the polish of it just feels kind of phony to me because at the end of the day, I don't... <laughs> I don't want to see the Marvel stuff, but give me the realness of something like Dead Wreck. I don't think there's much behind a lot of those big budget movies that go on. There's just a lot of like generic spectacle, whereas a movie like Dead Reckoning, and let me say for the record, I did not like Dead Reckoning. It's not a good movie. <laughs> no, it's not good. Yeah, it's not good at all. And a lot of these movies aren't good. Um, but I find there's like, I can ease, I can get more out of, or I can connect more to something that has a little less polish to it or looks a little bit more tangible, I guess is what it is. Not the dead reckoning is like a great example of this, but I would say, you know, always and forever, which we just talked about is something that like, I get, I'm not going to sit here and say always and forever is like a great, great movie, but I got a lot of enjoyment out of it because a, it kept me 
engaged. B, it's got like a real kind of like handmade sort of feel to it for better or for worse. And C, it just like, it does something, it, it's more, for me, it's a little more honest about what it is in terms of, uh, as opposed to like bigger budget kind of action movies, which try and be something maybe bigger or more important than they are. When at the end of the day, it's just like stupid, you know, superhero stuff or like guys like flying around in suits, you know, and I just don't, that doesn't resonate But with I'm me. fascinated because like these movies often feel like they're contemptuous for their audience in a different way than superhero movies are. I guess so. But at the same time, I always, sometimes I feel that these movies just honestly want to create just like just create something that'll make audiences have a good time i don't think it always works clearly like i mean all these bruce willis movies we watch or like any of that stuff that obviously all feels like garbage and a little more cynical but i don't know there's just i can just like get more out of maybe i'm just becoming like an old just an old man that just isn't down with and you're chasing that feeling that you had when you were 12 years old i guess so right i just feel like all these new bigger movies that either go to theaters or like go on netflix for example they all just have like a sameness to them and like look and tone and feel and there's nothing surprising that comes out of it where something you're like like, give me that flat cinematography of something like dead reckoning well look i'm not saying dead reckoning has like like any sort of style to it but there were moments in Dead Reckoning that gave me, like, <laughs> there were surprising moments that, like, caught me off guard in Dead Reckoning that I never get in, like, big budget sanitized so you're, movies. Yeah, so you're looking for that authenticity and almost that nakedness that you'll see in a movie like this that you will never see in a big budget film. That's the thing. I crave, like, the like the mistakes or the little goofs or the things that, like, that make it stand out a little bit or that just, like... Give it some, give it a bit different flavor. Even if it's like bad, it just like gives it more of a flavor to me than something that's like more sanitized so. or something more memorable. Because like you go see a superhero film, and then after it's done, ten minutes later, you're like, "What happened in that? I don't yeah, even I'm remember." Just forget about it. Whereas Dead Reckoning, even though it was by definitely bad, I think I'm probably gonna like remember bits and pieces of it for like the next little while. Oh, I will. So people are like, "What the hell is Dead Reckoning?" Well, first of all, it is directed by Mister. Andre Bartkoyak, who this was another reason I was intrigued because I was definitely a fan of him in the late nineties, early two thousands. Were you? He's so boring. He's like the nineties, two thousands boring director. Romeo must die, cradle to the grave, you know. I just I have a soft spot for those. I mean, I was looking at his filmography after and I'm like, ooh, Street Fighter, The Legend of Chun Li. <laughs> Forgot about that. Oh, awful. That does have an amazing Chris Klein performance, though. Oh, his performance is so good. What is his name? Because he always says it when he answers the phone he's yeah oh man honestly if you haven't seen uh chris klein and street fighter you don't even have to watch the movie just look it up on youtube there's a super cut of his uh perform of his uh performance and it's so funny um i mean i think the whole movie is kind of funny for like bad reasons i actually watched it um to do on no such thing as a bad movie and i had such a miserable time i'm like i'm not even gonna make them watch yeah no it's pretty bad but like i get enjoyment out of it uh his character's name is charlie nash by the way yeah he's like he's like nash out (laughs) yeah he always says nash out he's always like giving these looks to the camera it's like dude what are you doing (laughs) um uh poor poor what chris klein you've seen that audition he did for American Dreams, right? Where he tries to sing. Oh, no, I did not. It was for another music. Oh, Mamma Mia. He was auditioning for Mamma Mia. Yeah. I never actually saw that movie. Uh, Yeah, look at it on YouTube. It's really good. But Andrade, I think that he is defined for me as making Doom the, one of the most boring video game adaptations I have ever seen that has Carl Urban and The Rock in it. Doom was one of the biggest disappointments for me. I, I did hate that movie. It's really, really But anyway, bad. he was kind of retired after Legend of Chun-Li. Um, no more directorial duty for you. He did make an action movie we got in a few years ago called Maximum Impact, which I actually haven't seen yet, but I always meant to. Because <laughs> it has like Danny Trejo, uh, Tom Arnold, Eric Roberts, William Baldwin, Mark Dacasco. It's got a ridiculous cast. But uh, yeah, he's basically not really been doing much since then until now and this is a movie that apparently was shot like four years ago i was reading dead reckoning (laughs) they had to get it perfect i guess (laughs) they're finally putting it out now because obviously there's just like nothing you know there's not much to put out so they're trying to go for this shout factory i wonder if scott atkins was like please don't put it out well you're a scott atkins fan here and clearly they're trying to make it seem like scott atkins is like the star of this movie and he's not really he's kind of like the villain supporting character type i've heard scott atkins say on podcast that his agent is like you gotta do stuff that are not action movies and i guess this is the movies that he gets which 
Uh, Scott Atkins on that same podcast is like, I just want to do action movies. Just let me do those until I can anymore. And you can kind of tell they've shoehorned in a few like fight scenes for him at times. There's yeah. one fight scene and it's him against the lethargic James Remar. James Remar. <laughs> I know. And you know what? James Remar actually like gets some licks in, I have to say, which is like, I don't believe for a second because Scott Atkins would kick the shit so, out of him. So the plot of this is insane. It stars AJ Kappa, the Archie that fucks. Um, as I guess he's like a new kid in town and he falls in love with a local girl and uh oh, his brother shows up played by Scott Atkins doing a Russian or like Eastern European accent. Yeah. Cause he's supposed to be Muslim or like, I mean, Muslim is a religion. It's not necessarily an ethnicity, but yeah, he's doing some kind of really bad accent. Yeah, but KJ Apa does not have an accent. He's just like fully no. Americanized. Which is funny because he is exactly. British. Or no, he's isn't he Australian? I thought he was Australian. Yeah. Australian. I was get yeah, yeah. But Australian. anyways, yeah, so it takes place in this like seaside, like Hamptons-esque resort town where he's like, you know, he drives a cab, he's like he doesn't his parents aren't around, he's like falling in love with the girl, and you're right, his brother shows up. <laughs> oh his brother shows up on a giant yacht that he parks like ten feet yeah, from the exactly. shore. <laughs> <laughs> and um, basically, his brother has this plot that he wants to put into motion, which is kind of vague. I don't. It was. I was getting confused by what actually was like supposed to be so going down. This, in movie, this movie. Let's just talk about the way that it's constructed because it is the sloppiest of low budget trash. <laughs> like it starts with a news report on an awful green screen. Filmmakers never do this. Oh my God, the worst, yeah. It exposes its, like, VOD roots right away. It cuts to, like, Scott Atkins wearing, like, a Rastafarian wig watching it in a bar. (laughs) The wig is, oh my God, I almost forgot about that. Yeah, the wig. And then it cuts to, like, um, found footage footage of people on a plane that crashes with a dog, and then it jumps six months later. It's like, what is going on? Yeah, and it's like, uh, okay. Now, the backstory for this movie, which you wouldn't really know if you're just watching this movie, but this is this film has been has inspired by the Boston Marathon bombing of 2013. Now, was it because at one point James Remar says you did 9/11 and he like lists a bunch yeah, of stuff? Yeah, right. But I don't know. Everywhere I read after, apparently this is inspired by the Boston Marathon bombing and the two brothers that oh. were involved. And so KJ Apa and Scott Adkins are supposed to be these two brothers, but like. I don't understand how this relates really to the Boston Marathon bombings at all, because that doesn't actually happen in this or anything. Scott Adkins does have this plot with explosives on his boat to, like, blow something up, which I was a little fuzzy on. It's they they don't really explain it very well. But I don't if you didn't read that, I don't know if you'd really make that connection. I mean, it does just say it's inspired by it. So I guess this is supposed to be just like a fictional retelling. But like. I don't know why you would even make that connection, like, as a writer, like, if you're selling this movie, because it just doesn't really mm-hmm. connect. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a very limp romance between AJ Kappa and another actor that I don't, I, like, she looked... For- yeah, India, India Isley. Um, I've seen her a couple years ago in a really bad horror movie called Look Away, where it's like a mirror horror movie. She's- I, I would describe her as wayfish. Yeah, cause... I was going to say, she uh, is really skinny. Like, super, super thin. Like, almost, sick- almost sickly looking. Really thin. funny, because at one point she goes swimming in the nude, and it cuts to a oh very busty yeah. uh, uh, double, and they blur out her face to fool the audience yeah the production level of this is terrible i mean shout factory is putting this out under their like shout studios label uh, you know i'm gonna be honest like the shout factory when they put out i'm gonna put it in air quotes new movies that is the kiss of death that means that nobody else wanted to pick it up exactly and i can see i think like you know knowing this was shot like four years ago i can see maybe you know riverdale was just starting kj apa was kind of getting off the ground i could see how maybe this could have been a bigger project at the time than it was ended up being. I mean, but it looks like shit. <laughs> it looks terrible, so I don't know. And, you know, my biggest gripe with this movie is, like, there's, like, no boat action in it. Where's the boat action? I was waiting. The entire- <laughs> you were so excited for that speed kill style boat well, action. on the front cover, it's just, like, a boat 
exploding, you know? Which, well, a boat explodes at the end in a hilarious CGI explosion. I was expecting, like, I wanted a boat chase or something. There's, like, no boat action in this until it just explodes at the end. You know what? I'm glad it. to learn about your boat fetish because I did not know that before. <laughs> I think boat action is the most boring thing a movie can do, except for face-off. It can go either way. It can definitely go either way, but I feel there's just something about boat action that I like, you know? I mean, maybe it's under, under Siege 2, you know? Yeah, but... Um, but yeah, with this one, this is basically, I would, I would hesitate to even call this like an action movie at the end of the day, because it's more just like a drama, right? That has like thriller elements to it. So like I said, there's one fight with James Remar, which is shockingly violent, (laughs) which was probably one of the better moments of it, I guess. James Remar dies in the funniest way. Oh my God. Like they didn't even afford to buy a James Remar dummy. They just cut to an explosion. It has to be seen to be believed. And I can't believe that this movie kills Scott Atkins off screen. I know. Like, what a waste of Scott Atkins. You you think he's going to turn into, like, a Terminator or something like that, like, killing anyone that gets in his way. Nope. Yeah, I was was kind of excited when he really, like, starts going off the rails. Yeah, he, like, kills somebody, like, a knife to the throat, blood splatters all over the place. The other stupid thing about this is KJ Apa's character is so ridiculous in this movie. Like, once his brother starts, like, killing people and everything, the way KJ Apa reacts to this is like what are you doing man like he doesn't seem to have any plan he's like he, like whatever he's trying to do is not going to work and then he just ends up you know kind of getting killed at the end and that's and that's yeah, it well or does he get killed the body was never recovered as a hilarious title card says on the end like of the we screen. said you know it's a bad movie but i would take something like this over like any of these bruce willis movies i've been at watching oh, any those day, bruce willis films are trash except for his sudden uh, wave of sci-fi films that's about to arrive oh i know which i i'm definitely excited for but you know this one I will say that, you know, I didn't always know where this one was going to go. So at least there's that. Uh, I'll give there's it like that, a gross scene like, where like Scott Agnes is having sex with a woman who's like, no, this hurts. Yeah, that was brutal. <laughs> but, you know, I feel like they could have done more with Scott Adkins. He's not like he's definitely committed to this ridiculous performance. Uh, they but... had him for like two and a half days, I bet. Like there's some shots of him like on the beach in front of a green screen. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> like... I know it's so it's too much. It's too much. But, you know. I, I've seen worse. I'll say that. I have definitely seen worse. <laughs> <laughs> One, phrase. One phrase. You know, it definitely, it kept me engaged. It wasn't like, you know, something like American Dream from last week where I just wanted to turn it off after 20 minutes, you know? It's just like, this one, at least... If something can keep me engaged through to the end, that's all it's I It's weird, and, like, the people don't know what they're doing, which it feels like you're always looking yeah, for. Yeah, the character's decisions don't seem to make any sense, which is something I always like, so, you know. <laughs> all right, well, I guess that's our highest recommendation, right, for Dead Reckoning? Nah, I'm going to give that a thumbs down on Blind Buy. Yeah, would I recommend you blind, yeah, buying it? No. Would I re- recommend you maybe seeking it out on VOD to watch? Yeah, maybe. Uh, yeah. Well, that's it for this week's episode of the Bay Street Video Podcast. As per usual, you can um, call or email Bay Street Video Store and then come pick up your stuff if you're in Toronto. Or you can also order it and you'll ship it to them by mail. We shall. We shall. So uh, contact us and we can help you out. All right. So until next week, my name is Justin Nicklou. And I'm Mark Hanson. Keep on buying. Keep on renting, folks. Boat action. These movies and many more are available at your local video store. Just boat action movies. (laughs) 